Welcome to the Language of Ahava podcast, a podcast for families with young children. So what happens when a rabbi and an early childhood teacher walk into a podcast? I think it's going to be fun, and I'm sure it's going to be about connections. Hi, I'm Karen DeWister, and I'm the early childhood teacher. And I'm David Steinhardt. I'm the senior rabbi at B'nai Torah Congregation. Every conversation that I have with Karen is always fascinating and leads to new ideas. So joining together with Karen, making connections together is really what our goal is. I thank you because what the perspective that you bring to my world and my experiences from the Torah, from tradition, from community, um, from parenthood and grandfatherhood, it's all magnificent. So here comes our podcast. Uh, we'll be posting every other Friday just before Shabbat because we want to make these connections with you. And when you give a little ahava, you make this world a better place. I'm ready, Karen. Let's get going. Here we go. I am so excited to be here for episode number seven. And this one is Modern Jewish Family. So, hi, Rabbi. How are you in this fabulous month of holidays? I'm great. I think, um, you know, it's, it's a great time not only for families, but to, it also brings community together. So it's nice. It's nice to be here and certainly nice to be here with these families, these couples. Well, I've seen all that you've been doing over the last weeks, and I'm sure it's exhausting, but all of the ways that we've been able to connect and join together has been magnificently beautiful. So, you know, one of the things, Karen, is that um, the fact that Sukkot comes so quickly after Yom Kippur and some has a miss, an unfortunate aspect to it. And the unfortunate aspect is you don't really get a lot of time to to um, prepare for it. But maybe that's maybe that's good. Maybe. That's the way it's meant to be. So Just joyful celebration and inviting everybody back in again. So I, I have two of my favorite podcast couples and my favorite people ever. I have Stephanie and Eric Hochberger. Give us a wave. And Alone and Olivia Nachmani. Um, I'm going to start with uh, Stephanie and Eric because you were the ones that casually, half-jokingly set that phrase, modern Jewish family, when we were doing um, some video last year for Ahava Shabbat. And the four of you, to me, are everything that I love, respect, admire in a modern Jewish family. And the reason I wanted to do this podcast is because I think um, it's time that we break all expectations, I, whatever it means to identify as a Jewish family right now, I think is essential to share your story. So Eric and Stephanie, tell us about your family first. Um, and then I'll ask you in a little while about modern Jewish family. Uh, you want me to introduce the family? Yeah. All right. Well, obviously you see uh, my wife and I, uh, I'm Eric, this is Stephanie, and we have Two lovely girls. Uh, we have Hayden, who is four. We have Hallie, who is two. And we're expecting one in, I don't know, a week. A week. So, yeah. We appreciate you fitting us in. Thank you. Thank yes, you. Yes. And uh, she would be very upset if I didn't mention we also have two Shih Tzus. Uh, <laughs> so that is, that is our family. And we do we want more than just the breakdown? You want? Um, want some fun facts? Give, it, give us a fun fact. I do. Okay. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, we we jokingly say, and I will uh, for 
full disclosure, Olivia and Alona are closest friends. Um, Olivia's been my best friend since college. And so she can attest to the fact that um, Eric and I always joke that where Judaism is concerned, we're just faking it till we make it, you know? And, and we don't say that to be funny. We say it because, you know, yes, we were bat mitzvah. We grew up in reform households, but it wasn't the center of our world. It was, it was maybe tertiary, right? Everybody's busy. And so in this next generation, it's figuring out for our two girls, soon to be three, how to fake it until we make it and learn something so that we don't feel like we're faking it all the time. And it's amazing what a four-year-old brings home, you know, in the middle of the summer on a Wednesday morning, driving to CVS, bam, bam, you know, like we, we, it's just part of our lives. And, um, you know, we, we try our best despite being, busy, right? Busy working parents who have a lot of things going on. We, we did all get our kids dressed in white this morning. We remembered, but there's a lot of moving pieces. And so we, we try our best, I think, to do the holidays, even if we're breaking fast at, you know, 4.30 instead of at sundown. <laughs> I, I think Rabbi has to reply to that because it is perfection. I think the message that I believe other people want to hear, which is we're not alone feeling like we're faking it. And we're not alone in the joy of seeing your children give off all that beautiful Jewish music songs and words. The same songs that we read, that we sang when we were kids, that we remember that. Rabbi, who's faking it, Rabbi? Well, I don't think... I understand the feeling of faking it until you make it because we see around us communities of people that seem to be so much more knowledgeable, so much more engaged than we are. But I, I think that it's like taking a taking a trip and, you know, you get on the train, you get on the plane, and there's a lot of people on that plane, but you've got a seat on that plane. In other words, you're very much a part of this conversation. And whatever you do, is um, is part of the engagement that becomes defining of you and your family and your kids. One of the great experiences in my last five years or so, maybe ten, maybe ten years here, has been teaching the Melton program. And the Melton program brings together people to learn. And a lot of the people are so hesitant because they feel like, oh, I've never learned anything, or I stopped at my bar mitzvah, bat mitzvah. I feel so out of it, like I'm faking this. And what I say to them is that you're not. You're part of like this this age-old tradition, and wherever you can get on it, get in it, do it. And then over time and with repetition and with a desire to learn more, you become more and more of an essential part of it. I'm really impressed that you're willing to to fake it until you make it. And I just (laughs) want to encourage you or just want to like pat your back and say, you're not faking it. You're doing it authentically. You really are. But if it's like this, you know, if it's this big ladder or chain or whatever, you might be here, but you're going to go there. You're going to go as far as you want in it, and you have to see yourself as an authentic part of it. That's the community that I'm trying, that we're all building together, and it's one that's not judgmental. It can't be judgmental about people who want to stay here as opposed to people that want to go there. Wherever you find yourself on it is good, but thanks. Thanks for bringing that. Because if community is relationships, then I can only meet you where you are. 
And what I wrote in my intro that I didn't read is, Rabbi and I can't do what we hope to do without your collaboration and participation. So the four of you and all the families in early childhood and all the families that are just reconnecting to this, show us how to, where to meet you, what to bring, what you want, what you need. And, and so we can't be what we are without you. So Nachmanis. Let me say one more thing. And that is that we all need kind of like the places of attachment and you begin with your kids in preschool and they come home and they sing bim bam and they, you know, and they're so excited when you light candles or you do bracha and eat mozi. But I think that there is that piece of it that's family and that where we're focused on our kids and want our kids to enjoy it and attach, but then we need more as adults. And so that's where we, what we got to figure out is that is how do we create an adult piece so that you're learning something more than just preschool stuff that you are kind of engaging on a little bit of a deeper level in the place where you guys are, where the place you guys are from. What's your back? What's your background? Um, um, alone and Olivia. Olivia, what's your background? I got it. Um, well, we have two kids. Ethan is three and a half and Charlie is two. Um, and I am 33. <laughs> I guess I'll just tell you my age is too. Um, and this is my husband alone. Hello. Old is alone. Yeah. So, so what's your Jewish background? Oh, um, so I'm from Providence, Rhode Island, which... Um, used to be, it still is a beautiful Jewish community. It used to be a much larger Jewish community than it is now. Right. I went to day school there, which was then called the Alpern Schechter Day School. And it's now called the Jewish Community Day School, which speaks a lot to what you and Karen were just saying, that it's it has to be about community and non-judgment. And one of the biggest criticisms that I hear about Judaism often is the exclusivity of, of our religion. And I think you know, when Providence kind of like pivoted, like everybody's kind of using pivoted, they pivoted in the last five years to be, it used to be a conservative Jewish school. And now it's just a Jewish school, whatever that means. Um, So it's a much different community than I um, grew up in, you know, 30 years ago. Um, And then I went off to college and then I studied in Israel and now we're making our family in Boca. Alone, are you from Israel? I am. So I, I grew up in Israel, um, culturally Jewish. The synagogue was uh, 100 feet from my house, um, though I probably went there less than once a year. Um, mm-hmm. But growing up in Israel, I did have Jewish studies in school mm-hmm. and a little bit more of kind of the Torah and, and things like that. Yeah. No, that's a whole different paradigm growing up in Israel. I spoke on um, Yom Kippur on uh, Kol Nidre about the community I think we have to be building. And the first thing that I said that's necessary, I use the expression radical inclusivity. That is, we have to embrace everybody. And there, there certainly, there's, it, it's about Torah and it's about living a Jewish life, but there's something more. And that is, we have to create a community where we are addressing what your challenges are as, as parents, as a couple, dealing with in-laws, with children, the challenges of living in this crazy society and culture. And that's all got to be part of it. So there's a sense of belonging. The kind of the, the, the pillar of it, the background of it is that we come from a Jewish religion, a Jewish culture, a Jewish people. And that's got to, obviously that's going to be a part of it too. But it's in that creation of a place to belong because we're living in a world where people don't have that place anymore. It's so 
so hard to find community and we can do it here. And as you see, we can certainly do it around your around the school that your kids are going to and we can create something that's really significant for the future here. So the theme I'm hearing, and I want all four parents to respond to this, if you would, is I heard Olivia sort of say, well, we went from a conservative community to one that was a very accepting of everyone. And I heard Alone say, you know, I'm culturally Jewish, but didn't really belong to a Jewish synagogue. So I've always had the question of, can we just self-identify as Jewish in any capacity? And and, and and so my question is, where do each of you think you fit on that spectrum of I'm self-identifying with my own needs, means, and interests to I am fairly well connected in, the, in this specific case to a conservative synagogue tradition and history or of your origin families? Um, I'm going to put alone on the spot first because... Um, I, I'm kind of surprised. I was hearing that you maybe, you know, are more culturally Jewish than, than religiously so, Jewish. I, I think growing up yeah. in Israel, you have it around you. You're, you're immersed in it. You don't have a choice kind of thing. You know, I can recite a lot of the prayers or most of the prayers by heart. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, you know, I, I still, my grandparents had, um, you know, Kiddush for Shabbat and I still know it by heart, but I, I also think that growing up in Israel and learning it in school, I could probably, and, and Rabbi would probably know this, that I could, I could have a, a decent discussion around most of the rules that are in the Torah and, and all of the stories around it because I studied it in school. My, my practicing of, of my Judaism is kind of my own interpretation of how I learned the rules and how I did it, whereas I think most people would, would belong to a synagogue and follow kind of what the, the, the synagogue's path, if that makes sense. I think that's kind of what I'm saying about being culturally Jewish. Okay, got it. Because we've always turned to you for that guidance when we People do it. at like at holidays, I think because he's from Israel, they're like, and we hand it over to alone for the blessing. Yeah, yeah. Always. <laughs> I don't hang on, know. hang on. I have to pull it up. I don't know this blessing. And now I figured out I picked the wrong guy this whole time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Eric? Well, you would definitely pick a worse guy if you went with me. So uh, I'm always a good choice. Uh, so I'm going to go up the rabbi's ladder. Uh, I don't know if you can see my hands. Oh, there they are. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do this backwards then. So uh, my brother is actually Orthodox. So I'm going to put him on this side of the ladder in his journey. It's much further along than me. And I have been probably reset back to the beginning. I make alone, literally do our, what is it called? Sammy the Spider Seder. Sammy the Spider, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which definitely takes uh, no knowledge of Hebrew to even do, but I still make alone do it anyway. So... Yeah, I mean, I, that's why I'm going to take Stephanie's euphemism of the modern uh, Jewish family. Uh, definitely much more secular than I would be religious. I grew up, we were reformed uh, in my family. Our temple, you know, played songs and my brother laughed at that when he became Orthodox later in life. Uh, I always identify the most with the sermons was always my favorite part. Uh, it was the most relatable to me. It was never hearing the prayers. I don't. I learned Hebrew to get through my bar mitzvah. I don't, yeah. I didn't know what the words meant because they weren't, that wasn't what was taught to us. It was get up there and read. So I, I guess I never really identified as much with the religious part, and, but it's always been important to me secular. So I'm, I'm definitely at the beginning of the ladder personally. 
And I'm going to put this back to Rabbi after my question, which is this ladder, because when you say, like, when I look at the four of you, I see you all climbing a ladder very high on the ladder, but with different goals and different intentions. So when you say, um, you know, I'm low on the ladder, but when I think of your Jewish values, that the social justice, the giving back, the the raising your girls in a certain way. My question is, is it, is one ladder better than the other? I'm going to pass it to Rabbi, but let you guys, let him bring you back in. Cause I don't like the idea that there's only that one ladder and it's all merging to this one pinnacle. Yeah. Maybe it but should be seen. Well, so maybe you ought to look at it somewhat as a continuum, not with there being a place that's higher and a place that's lower. You know, however, I think that once we begin to engage, we do want we do want to um, deepen our understanding and our connection. You know, people identify themselves as being Jewish for all different reasons. I'm Jewish because my parents were Jewish. I'm Jewish because my grandparents were Holocaust survivors. I'm Jewish because I am because I identify so strongly with Israel as the nation of my people. I'm Jewish because I belong to these people. Right. And so I think there are different. I'm Jewish because of the food, you know, whatever it is. But there are different narratives about our Jewishness, as it were. Religion is a part of it. There's no question. And religion does have, you know, like levels of observance in religion. But language is a part of it also. You know, culture, history, all, all of those things are part of Jewish identification. And I think the other thing is this, and this may not have been thought about so much in earlier times. We have to recognize people have autonomy, and that is they do make choices as to where they want to be and how far they want to go. For example, Shabbat is lighting candles, doing a kiddush, and doing motzi with my family. For some people, that's Shabbat. For other people, it's, it's more than that. It's also engaging in prayer and song. For other people, it's a 26-hour period where you are observant of the laws of Shabbat. It's people have to make those choices. That's where I'm at. You know, there are a lot of rabbis that would say, no, it's like you got to do this whole thing or you're not doing it or not doing it right. And I think, no, it's something else. And Shabbat is also it's about learning. Shabbat is about connecting to community. There's spiritual dimensions to it also. And so I think that we have to tap into all of those things. Nobody's going to take it all in. You know, um, I would say alone that in Israel, what you've got, the advantage there is you've got the language of the Jewish people, right? You've got the calendar of the Jewish people. You've got the culture of the Jewish people, and it's all built in. I'm sure you went to a secular public school, right? Correct. Right, but in secular public school, you learn Torah, you learn Bible. You have, your language is the language of the Jewish people. It's such, it feels so natural. I've been to Israel like with non-religious people, and they say, now it makes sense for me. You know, now it makes sense here. So what we've got to do is kind of like continue to grow, create this community that feels like it makes sense. And Karen, I love what you said. And and I know the Hochbergers relate to this part of it also. And that is, it's also a values conversation. You know, we stand for certain really important things. Like we stand for social responsibility. We stand for tzedakah, right? We stand for, you know, education, that those are Jewish values that are such an important part of our identity. So my next question is, but when we think of the fake back to the faking it and, and that whole continuum, 
is there guilt? Of, 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 are you trying to measure yourself against um, a certain ideal that is your parents' ideal or what you perceive a rabbi's ideal to be or community expectations? Um, who's the guiltiest out there? I feel, <laughs> I, do you really feel guilt? I, I feel no guilt. I was talking about it. We were talking about it on the drive over um, that, you know, I think a, a, a foundation of this is also um, our, like my dad was born in Egypt and he came here when he was young. So he's not first generation. So I guess I'm first generation because he was born in Egypt, but he was so young. So those of us whose parents are actually from, um, you know, the Middle East and Europe had a much different upbringing than our friends and our peers whose, whose parents, grandparents, great-grandparents were born in America. So the idea of being culturally connected versus religiously connected, I think that has a, a large bearing on it because of, I guess, like the persecution that our, and not just our ancestors. I feel like when you say ancestors, it means like, you know, way far out that our parents, you know, my dad has memories of the anti-Semitism in Egypt in the sixties. So I think that kind of forms my upbringing and I don't feel any guilt because I, I'm so firm in my connection and my belief that my connection to Judaism is all cultural and not religious that, you know, I've never wavered and, and how I feel I've always, you know, gone by the same foundation. And I, you know, a story I was telling alone on the way over here, I'll make it a lot briefer was, you know, when I was studying in Israel, I spent a lot of Shabbats with my, my with my Orthodox family and her, my cousin's husband one day went to shower on Shabbat. And I said, what, I thought you can't bathe on Shabbat because you can't make the water hot because you can't make a fire. And she said, well, you know, there are certain exceptions for things that if it's going to make you so uncomfortable that you're not going to be able to enjoy Shabbat like you're supposed to. And I was like, listen, like if you're going to come with that exception and it kind of validated and solidified my feelings about my cultural connection, because I've never wavered like that. I just you know, my beliefs have always stayed the same with no exception. So that's why I don't feel any guilt if that. Uh, can I, I want to respond. Olivia, I think you brought up a few really good points that need like a lot of response. I know we don't have that much more time in this particular session, but the first is, you know, talking about the culture and the community that your, your, your father came from, from Egypt, that those communities were, were very much separate from their non-Jewish uh, neighbors and although they did business together and they did have relationships, but the identity of being part of the Jewish people was much, much more strongly in, reinforced by the society, both yeah. internally and externally. America in that way has been so different because America is like this, either this melting pot or the salad bowl. And, you know, there's a there's assimilatory trend, trends in America and Egypt. People, Jews couldn't assimilate because they were always Jews and they will always be Jews. And there's so much within the community. As an aside, you've got to get Claudia Rodin's cookbook. It is a phenomenal history of Syrian, Iraqi, Egyptian Jews and their foods. And it's such it's not just about their foods. It's about how they evolve those communities. So that's I think that's a really important point. But the second thing here does have to do with what is. So what does it mean to be in America where we've grown up? I mean, we read a lot about anti-Semitism, but we all feel pretty secure. Wouldn't you say we feel, and this is the strongest diasporan community in the history of Jews in the diaspora. 
the strongest, the freest also. And so we're integrating other values into our Jewish identity. And I will tell you, historically, Jews have always done that. It's just that there's a narrative out there that Jews, we have one story, there's a line of tradition that we're all connected to, but we've evolved in different ways. And that's why, I want to get back to Karen, that's why this values narrative is so important. What is it that we stand for? And then how do we live those things? And how do we shape a community around those things? I, I'm I'm loving this. And I'm sad that we got a late start and because of my fault and that you guys have to pick up your children. So Alon- We have and, a few more minutes. I, I messaged them. So if and if anybody has to sneak out, just go ahead and do that. Um, so, so- I, I think I'm just going to go towards a wrap-up question um, that's twofold. One is just that sort of how do we bring all this together in the sense of for us and for each of you to and anybody listening to sort of embrace whatever modern Jewish family means. Bless you. Um, but also, is there something? Is is there is there the the the, the negative? identity piece. That is, there's one thing that we, we would forsake Jewish identity for um, if we were to try to bring those values together. Um, I mean, is, the, is, there, I mean, is there any way to, to then say, I, I, I'm not a Jew, modern Jewish family? Or um, is, is it just a matter of choice? Um, I'm going to go to Hochberger's. Um, so uh-huh. Stephanie, with the, you know, with the, is, is there some part of that faking it or, or, or is there a compartmentalization that says this part of my life is Jewish family, this part is not Jewish family? Is, is, there, is there even like that schizophrenia between your, those identities and roles? No, I don't, I don't think so. I, I guess it is inherent in who we are as people. So even if we joke that we're on the low rung of the ladder, as far as how religious we are, and I'm going to give Eric credit, he did fast. So he's at least at the second round, right? But <laughs> I have a whole nother that. set of questions on how you redefined your holidays. You uh, did break fast. I want to know. I mean, but yeah. there's, there's so many specifics it's, to how it's you- casual. It's It's not the, the fancy China maybe that our grandmothers used. It's not- slaving over the oven all day because our kids want to run around and play, you know? So we're with our children. They're taking time off school. Um, we want, I guess it's that community family centered things that everything else still happens. It's inherent with us or within us. Um, look, we, we, the first time I went to Eric's house, I walked into his, his family's house, right. When we met, um, or his parents' house, I should say. And there's a sense of comfort there because, oh, this house could have been my house growing up, you know? So I guess it is inherently there with, with that second ladder we were talking about. Um, and so I, it is woven into the fabric of our lives, but it may not be something that is on the forefront of our brain on a daily basis. It's just sort of living within somewhere. But we adapt because, you know, Steph texted me and said, can we do breakfast at four? Because with preschool age kids, you can't start something at sundown because that's when they go to bed. And one, it's a school night. And two, nobody wants to be around a toddler past their bedtime. So she said, can we do 
four o'clock. So I said to alone, let's do breakfast at Stefan Eric's at four. And so he started his fast earlier. And I don't know if that would be approved. If you, like, if someone were to go and ask the rabbi that, I don't know, but I also, you know, I felt like that what we're sacrificing and that that's what it was about. You're feeling the discomfort for the amount of time you're feeling the discomfort. So we, we, um, adapted and it worked. Okay. So my next question, and and we have to, uh, is, is for you guys, which is the same question I was trying to ask before, but it is as the next generation of modern Jewish family, you change the, the face of Judaism. As, as an American culture, at least. And so what I, so the question is, where do you see, I mean, Stephanie said, it's casual. It's, I mean, you, you're finding a way, if you can find a sentence to sort of explain what you're trying to hold on to and what you allow to change for each of you and or for you as a family. And then Rabbi, I'll give you the final, which is how much can or does Judaism change and remain the same? So go ahead, Stephanie. Uh, you've already described changing it. Yeah, I think the, the rabbi got it right when he said community, family, um, education, you know, uh, those are the fan, you know, the most important underlying element of our lives. And perhaps we do put such, you know, focus on that as a result of, of, of having a connection with Judaism, even if I memorized my half Torah portion when I was 13, you know? Right. Right. And Eric, what, what do you bring that's different than what (laughs) Stephanie has in the shaping of your family? In the shaping of your family. No, I mean, I think it's very similar. That's what Stephanie was touching on when she came into my childhood home and felt like that could have been her home. We come from a similar important set of values. And that's what I think uh, made it so easy when we first met. That we, we both came from that same set of values and that's what we're hoping to instill in our kids. I mean, I can tell you as great as it is that she sings uh, Bim Bim Bop, I love more that she's talking about Sadaka and uh, wants nothing more than the time that we made sandwiches and uh, whatever else that we can do to give back to the community. I love the fact that Hayden gets excited by that because she's learning that in, right. in preschool. And you, you can't get that in most other preschools. Though she didn't understand why she was brought to the lake or the pond, you know, to say, she goes, I didn't make any mistakes, mom, you know, but <laughs> but she she gets the concept or she's starting to get the concept. And look, there's a reason that we choose the schools that we choose for our children and the neighborhoods and the communities, because we're obviously trying to continue on something that we felt or feel is important. Well, we're grateful because that the face of Judaism is being transformed by your lives makes all the difference to me and gives me hope um, and, and and a groundedness in past and future. Alone and, and Olivia, anything to add to uh, the new face of a modern Jewish family? Um, I think adaptation and not assimilation, but adaptation. They're different. And community is probably the biggest, which goes hand in hand with education. Uh, so community and under that, their education in the community, their friendships, and the the strength of the connection, I guess, is what's important to me. And I feel that my connection and my family's connection is so strong that I've never felt guilt or doubt about how I form that connection. Love it. 
I think a big part of that is also including the traditions, you know, fasting on Yom Kippur. I sat Ethan, our oldest down, and I explained to him, you know, Abba's not eating today and, and why. And, and seeing in his eyes when he said to me, oh, when I'm big, I also want to not eat on Yom Kippur. And I, I think that's, that's a big part of it is continuing the tradition and continuing within our modern lives and our busy lives, but still incorporating the traditions that were important to us as we grew up. I love that that half joke wasn't a joke at all. Um, no, true story. But I, I love, I love uh, what you guys are doing. Rabbi, the final word. Not just saying this as a platitude, but I think that the conversation that you guys are bringing is a bit different than the conversation that I've heard from young people over all my years as a rabbi. I've been a rabbi for a long time. And I love it. I'm really, I'm touched by it. As a rabbi, as a rabbi at B'nai Torah, I really want to work with this. I think that you guys, together with other friends, can form a core of people that are looking to define a community, perhaps in a different way. And so I'm, I'm there with you, with you in it and on it. See, it's, it's not like you guys are saying that, you know, the ideal, get, get, back, get back to that ladder thing, you know, the top of the ladder, which would be to be from, to be completely 100% observant as much as you can, that there's some kind of orthodoxy represents, for example, some ideal. That's not what you're saying. You're saying your Jewish lives are a little, are different than that, and they're authentic. And I'm affirming that. Your Jewish lives are different than that and authentic. So yes, uh, on, on Yom Kippur, we read this Haftorah from the prophet Isaiah. And it's really interesting because Isaiah is critiquing the fast. On the day of the fast, we have somebody critiquing the fast. And he's saying, how can you fast? How can you engage in ritual behavior when there are people that are hungry around you? And Eric, this kind of gets back to your to the kind of values conversation that's necessary. So we kind of like have to, you know, find our way through the weeds and to figure out what it is that works for us and how it works for us, keeping alive that which is essential and learning more and more. And that's maybe that's a part of it, as I said in the very beginning, that there's got to be learning, a learning component for you guys. That's not just kind of a, uh, you know, pediatric learning through bim bomb, but there's something that's more. And certainly I offer myself for that. And I know that we can work together with that. But I, I wish, you know, I hope that we're all blessed on this journey because it's a great journey. It really is. And there's not an end point. It's an ongoing one. You know, like you've jumped on, you have real, you're on that, on the, on the, on the uh, journey. And we're all on, in it together, but Thanks. Thanks for this conversation. I so appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Well, thank you. It started with admiration and it ends with admiration. And I thank you all. And you know, this is just yet another beginning. So we thank you and to be continued. So um, you guys are just rock stars. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening today for being part of this moment, for being part of these Ahava connections, and for trying to give a little Ahava to one another. Thank you to my co-host, Rabbi David Steinhardt, for always adding timeless wisdom and a meaningful connection to our world and to this podcast. Thank you, B'nai Torah Congregation, for being our community of support and a place to share with one another. You hold us together in a world that is too often pulling us apart. Thank you to Cantor Magda Fishman for your voice 
your whistling, your song, and the soul that you bring to everything you do. If you don't know Cantor Fishman, please check her out at B'nai Torah Services. You will be transformed and inspired. Finally, thank you to the Jewish Federation of South Palm Beach County for helping to fund this Ahava podcast and Ahava Nature Shabbat. And to our Ahava Malahim, our angels, the families who also help underwrite these Ahava projects. For more information about B'nai Torah Congregation, the website is btcboca.org. You can also find me, Karen Deerwester, at familytimeinc.com. Until next time, Shabbat Shalom, and give a little Ahava. Take care. When you give a little love, you see, you make this world a better place. A much better place to be when you give a little ahava. When you give a little love, you'll see you'll make this world a better place, a much better place to be. You'll make this world a better place, a much better place to be. <laughs>